Blog Talk Radio. Friday, America, as they're alive, back in Studio 111 for the first time in decades. Your favorite sports music program, Fanatic Radio, on blogtalkradio.com. Michael Gardner with you, riding the uh, riding up to success, the staircase to success, escalator style. Joining me always is Ben Florence and Graham Burns, where we actually were on time today, but booted out by our new arch rival, Rick from the Latin Pulse. Rick. <laughs> I, uh, Rich, Rick, Rick. We love Rick. Yeah. No, we don't. He do. takes our studio. We love the Latin Pulse. Yeah, yeah. Latin Pulse is a hell of a program. Like, you just hate Latinos. We don't know you what the show is about. Yes, we know. It's about hot topics in the Latin community. What the fight of the Latin community? We're talking about Super Bowl today. We're going to beat the that Latin to death. Community. Sorry, some NBA action. And much more. Also, we'll break down the halftime show and uh, the Oscars. I'm just kidding. But definitely, we'll start off with the Super Bowl. Here are some reactions from Seahawks and Broncos Media Day on Tuesday. Yeah, I think the elements always play a role, but, you know, the the good news is both teams got to deal with it. And uh, uh, we've dealt with plenty of elements this year. I think our team's prepared just about for anything. I think we all play a role, and I understand my role, and my teammates do too, and I think that's what's going to win us this game. It's not going to be one individual. It's the Super Bowl, but you just go out there with the with the confidence of of going out there and just doing your job the best of your ability and and playing the game the way you need to play it to to help your team win. It's cliche to say defense wins championships, but uh, you got to play complimentary football. You know, uh, yeah, you, you know, if you look at the past, there's going to be a special teams play. You know, in the Super Bowl that wins the game, and. Um, no, hopefully it's us. We told ourselves we're going to be an aggressive offense. We're going to try to pick up as many points as we can. And our main focus goal was, you know, win the Super Bowl. You know, we got ourselves here. Hopefully we can go out and, you know, do that. But it was never talking about, you know, we did this. We're the best at this. Because that's, that's, that's the main that's the thing about our group. We never talk about me or what we did. It's about a team. When it comes down to it, um, all that outside noise, it is what it is. You know, people are going to talk. People are going to do whatever they have to do. But uh, we're really focused about this. This game is it's the last game, um, one of the biggest games of our lives. It is the biggest game of our lives, you know. Um, and we just want to be prepared and ready to go. We played in rain. We played in snow. We played in wind. We play in cold weather. So, uh, you know, we're just going to make sure that we're prepared for anything Sunday. Um, and, you know, it's the Super Bowl. It, it doesn't matter what the weather is. We, we, we get an opportunity to play for a world championship that – that's enough in itself. List of Broncos included head coach John Fox, Wes Welker, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Champ Bailey, and Terrence Knightington, who had the greatest had the greatest celebration after a sack, spending 15 yards, only had to perform some sort of shuffle. Yes. Interesting factor that uh, Decker said at the end was it's the Super Bowl regardless of the weather. 
Broncos take Granular represent the Denver Broncos. Are they concerned of any way to going up against the number one defense in the league? Well, I think you have to be the way the uh the Seahawks set up their defense. It's a very primitive defense. They play a, pretty much a simple cover three, but the way they play it is what makes it so ingenious with how they play the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. A lot of teams play cover three, but they don't jam wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, and they play soft on them, which against Peyton Manning is pretty much a death sentence. So the Seahawks, everybody says, what are you, you going to do against Peyton that nobody's done before because you've got to find a different way to be him each time. <clears throat> But the Seahawks are going to stick with pretty much their bread and butter in their cover three because they're so good at it, even though it's so simple, that it just makes sense to stick with what you know here. So I think the Broncos definitely have to be concerned, especially going over the middle of the field where uh, especially guys like Wes Welker, who's a history of concussions there, he's got to be hearing footsteps from guys like Earl Thomas and Cam Chandler. Exactly. Looking at the Broncos, the only two, three losses on the season was – in overtime in New England, a close six-point defeat at Indianapolis, and the uh, Thursday night loss against San Diego, in which I think all I believe all those games were uh, second-half wins. A lot of people considered the Broncos' defense a struggle closing out games. Could this be a similar situation? Granted, how big the stage is. Um, yeah, the Indianapolis game, they uh, were behind pretty much the entire game. But the other two games, they definitely they came out strong and then – their defense faltered, and Peyton got shouldered a lot of the blame in the New England and the uh, San Diego loss, mostly because uh, his defense couldn't get a stop, and he ended up having to lead him back, which he couldn't do. We can't expect your quarterback to do that every game, but thank you, it is Peyton Manning. But uh, if it comes down to uh, Russell Wilson with the ball, two minutes left, he's got to go the distance against the Broncos' defense. I like the Broncos' defense in that situation because I don't think Russell Wilson is uh, as clutch of a quarterback as advertised. He hasn't had to win a whole lot of close games this year. Uh, And if you know, it's most of the spotlight's been on either Marshawn Lynch or the defense. So I think Russell Wilson's a very mobile quarterback, but I don't think he's quite as good as, say, Colin Kaepernick or uh, Robert Griffin III in his prime. All right, here are some of the Seahawks' reactions from Tuesday's media day. I really think these cameras should go to my teammates, you know. I mean, especially after Bobby Wagner's 15-tackle game in the NFC Championship and Cam Chancellor's interception and multiple pass deflections and his 11 tackles, or Earl's 11 tackles. And I think these cameras could be around anyone, you know. I think that, that what happened after the game, the situation that occurred, forced them to be around me and forced everybody's attention. But I think I have the best teammates in the world. We know that Richard Sherman is, is the best corner in the league, and we believe in that. We believe that he does everything. He, he shows up. He's a great teammate, first of all. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's one of the best, you know, the best corner in the game, but in terms of what he does on a regular basis, you know, he, he puts the work in every day. He's an unbelievable teammate in the locker room. Uh, he loves the game of football. He's extremely intelligent. Um, you know, he graduated from Stanford with, I believe, a 3.9 GPA. Um, you know, he, he helps the community. You know, he, he's just passionate about the game. He just got fired up. That's all that was. He apologized and all that. So, um, you know, Richard's a great player. We love having him on the team, um, and he brings the excitement to the game. To come here, uh, be put in a, a great situation with the Seahawks, and in the beginning of the year, everything looked at, looked at perfect. Uh, and then to, to go through this storm, um, you know, can't understand why. But like I said, uh, everything worked out for the best, and uh, we're here now, and we're ready to play. 
the key for Sunday is we play a really complete football game and we take care of the ball and we take it off them. And that, we got to play a full game. Everybody's got to contribute and we got to take care of that football. If we do that the best, then we'll win a football game. There's been a lot of emotion, though, man, just because guys dream to be here. You know, guys dream all their life and work so hard to be here. So when this game comes, man, it's going to be so much emotion, man. And we're going to embrace this moment. We're going to cherish this moment. And we're going to take advantage of this opportunity. And for those uh, Richard, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and another defensive back. I do not remember who it was. Anyway. Earl Thomas? Was it Earl Thomas? Probably. What about the Earl of Sandwich? Loved sandwiches and love Earl of Sandwich. Ben Florence represents the Seattle Seahawks. An interesting, uh, yes, an interesting case is they are fourth in the league in rush yards. Yeah. And the Denver Broncos' opponent rush yards is eighth. They're allowing 101.6 a game. We'll get to uh, the notorious Mr. Beast mode in just a bit. But yeah. your Denver's defense, concerned with Marshawn Lynch, going off in the Super Bowl. I think what's going to be concerning is that not only is Marshawn Lynch, we know him as Beast Mode, we know him as Mr. Skittles. He's such a powerful runner. He's so hard to take down. Denver's defense isn't great. It's also not very big. They don't have a lot of huge defensive linemen, and a lot of their linebackers are more speedy types. Mm. They were there with no Von Miller. Exactly, no Von Miller. And, but the thing is, what's going to be interesting for the Seattle offense that a Percy Harvin, who was, they, they traded first-round pick for before the year to give him a vertical threat because Russell Wilson, uh, is he hasn't had a lot to throw to. I mean, his receiving unit is, is not great. And it was thought, thought that Harvin would be the guy that can give him, like, a big-time vertical uh, player in the passing game. But then Harvin's been hurt. Like, he's barely played all year, but he will be playing in the Super Bowl. So that's... So that's certainly, certainly something to watch out for. But it will be key for Marshawn Lynch. The best way to slow down Peyton Manning is to not give him the ball, especially with how good he's been this year uh, throwing the football with this, uh, this awesome uh, receiving unit. If you control the clock with Marshawn Lynch, you get Russell Wilson on the perimeter, have him run a little bit, um, I really think that that could possibly that could help because you're never you're it's very hard to stop you with how good Seattle's defense is. It is an awesome defense, but it's always, it's very good. To, it's very hard to stop all that stop Peyton Manning. Yeah. Either he's going to make mistakes, which he doesn't, but he can. We saw it a couple times earlier this year, or you're going to have to control the ball. And fortunately for Seattle, they have the ability to do that. What, with a great running back. Exactly. Much like what we saw in the loss against San Diego, they basically just gave it to uh, Matthews. Ryan yeah. Matthews. He's little Danny Woodhead, actually. Exactly. We love Danny Woodhead. Speaking of uh, Marshawn Lynch, only spoke six and a half minutes. Uh, it did his required time and then just chilled the Prudential Center the yeah. entire time. Here's what he did. So it's very hard to get a sound bite of him. But we were lucky to come across this between him and Neon Dion Sanders. The beast mode and everything. It look like you're ready to play, man. Yep, that's what time it is. You kind of shy. No. You just don't want to talk, really. I'm just about that action, boss. You about to go get it. You, you, you just like to do it. That's what it is. I ain't never seen no talking with me nothing. Yeah. Yep. Been like that since I was little. Was raised like that. Well, I respect it. Yep. It's going to be a good one. You go get it. Ain't no need to talk about it. 
You excited about the game? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, these are real emotions, man. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It's on your back. They feel like if they can stop you, they can stop this team. Well, they're going to have to stop all of us. <laughs> you feel me? I feel you. I'm a piece to it, but we got some dogs. You don't like podiums, do you? Uh, that ain't my thing. What is your thing? Laid back, kick back. Yeah. Mind my business, stay in my own lane. Yeah. So you just gonna sit in the cut and just chill. That's what you do. Just kick back. Game time, though. I'll be there. Let's quote the great uh, Steve Jennings, American University field hockey coach. When he walked into our office on Wednesday, he goes, he goes, what if I did the exact same thing as Marshawn Lynch? Ask me a question. Just say, I'm all about that action, boss. And so you're, uh, during that soundbite, you were mentioning how the Riders Association was very upset with the NFL. The spokesperson, Greg Aiello, said, you know, can't find him the hundred thousand dollars because he actually went out and spoke. Yeah. But as a journalist, they're upset that you know, because considering he's one of the best players on this team, it's very unusual for a prime time player to be you know silent, especially yeah. during the year. Yeah, exactly. And the thing with Marshawn Lynch, he has this history of not wanting to talk to the media. We saw he was initially fined fifty thousand dollars before the Saints game earlier this year, but he's he appealed it. He didn't really win the appeal, but the NFL was like, all right, we're not going to – we're only going to make you pay it plus another $50,000 if this happens again. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened because every player apparently is supposed to go to media day. And thus – but – and he didn't want to do it. They threatened him with a fine. He went out there. He talked for uh, like six minutes. Didn't, give, didn't really give anybody anything of value. But he, you know, fulfilled the minimum of – showing up and answering a question. Now, the writers are all mad because, and they, and they were all, they, the, the statement for the Professional Football Writers Association, uh, it was a whole long-winded thing, but they said they were appalled by his conduct, which is insane. First off, everybody knows media day is a joke. Everybody knows that. First off, it's really not a media day because there's a lot of media availability during the week. Mm-hmm. But Media Day itself is just a complete fraud. You get a lot of random people. They ask absurd questions. You get people dressed in costumes. Well, you got, you know, you got a lady who asked Richard Sherman for a hug and then for a kiss, and he gave it to her because she was wearing a Richard Sherman jersey. Like, who well, the, 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 guy, the guy who was So like, this whole thing is impressed. nonsense. The writers need to call down. It's not like there's nobody from the Seahawks. Talking, it's not like they're talking specifically to one person freezing out outlets. This is one guy, one guy that doesn't want to talk to me. There are so many other players out there that like a lot more. Like, you know, Richard Sherman, we all know about him, Peyton Manning. You can go on and on on both teams of guys that like to, you know, that are comfortable with the media, but there are also guys that just don't like to do it. I, I don't get what the outrage is. Um, of Lynch. Uh, of Lynch. Mm-hmm. The writers need to realize that the players, they don't work for them. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to give them something, they don't have to. I mean, I, 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 I think the whole thing is just nonsense. If, if, uh, if it's just these writers are just hunting for something to write about, and you're not going to get anything huge. You're going to get, like, the biggest headlines that have come out this week is Peyton Manning staying oh, I don't have a legacy. Like, these are the biggest headlines that are coming out of this. They're not talking about, a lot of it's not football specific. It's about it's about outside the game and the legacy that Manning is leaving and Richard Sherman's antics off the field. 
and it's just it's a game. Like in the end, it's they're going to play a football game, and I'm. I don't really know why it needs to be that big of a deal. And the best part about it is, and I read this on Deadspin, who like also called out the writers, but they're actually getting a story by him not talking. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this, that itself is taking on a story, and is one of the you know one of the more intriguing stories thus far is that he that he doesn't want to talk. So if he would talk more and give him nothing, that would make him happy. But they still have a story to write. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just nonsense. I mean, I mean. Yeah, the only good story to come out is probably the NFL's discussion of what are they going to do with the extra points. Yeah, people people love that stuff. Like, I was listening to the friends. That's a show one day, and they had, like, hours of callers about the extra point. Like, people just, I, I don't get it, but it's a hot topic. It's fantastic. Exactly. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Peyton, Le- uh, Peyton Manning's legacy, Graham. Do you think, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, obviously, he's a lock for the Hall of Fame it's the first time. No, he is not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Second ballot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. But uh, shout out to the Hall of Fame. The uh, new class will be inducted Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Manning, he's four-time MVP, probably going to be five-time. Uh, so it's really no surprise that he, he's the most one of the most decorated quarterbacks in NFL history. So he's definitely a lock for the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what the question of his legacy is exactly. I guess maybe because he was one of the first quarterbacks who really took the position to, I guess you could call it, a scientific level. Where well, Joe Montana did that as well. Exactly. Like, but it's just – That was in the 80s. Yeah. So I guess he was like – because they called Montana the greatest that ever played the game. Now the debate is, is Manning the best that's ever played the game? Because he played – but Manning played in an era where it was more passer-friendly, and he also played with against Brady and all these other guys. So – I really, I think his legacy is cemented that he's one of the greatest minds to ever play the game. He's going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. So you won a Super Bowl. That's no longer in question. It's just a matter of him finishing off his career. Now. My legacy since I was about 25 years old, which I'm not sure you can have a legacy when you're 25 years old and or even 37. I, I thought you had to be like 70 to have a legacy. So uh, I'm not 100% sure what the word even means. Um, I'm still in the middle of my career. Uh, let me rephrase that. I, I'm down the home stretch of my career, but but I'm still I'm still in it. It's not uh, it's not over yet, and so uh, it's still playing out. And uh, this has been um, the second chapter of my career. So at the end of the day, uh, you didn't mention it. Probably, Graham mentioned he'll probably win his fifth MVP. Where do you rank Peyton Manning then on the all-time list of quarterbacks among the among the Bradshaws, the Montanas? Well, he's better than Bradshaw. I love Terry Bradshaw, but I mean, and he's got the four rings. But if you look like uh, even beyond the numbers, I don't know if you're going to put Terry Bradshaw. I don't want to pick it on you for this name, but you know, just I showed up there. But he's definitely up there. If he wins the Super Bowl, be a second. He'll be a second in three tries, and with another with a new different team, that doesn't happen really ever. And so he's definitely going to be in that discussion. Along with, you know, Montana. You mentioned Montana, uh, Johnny Unitas, mm. Otto Graham, uh, Otto Graham, I guess. But really, like Montana Unitas, Brady will be up there. Mm. Peyton Manning will be up there. I think that. Uh, and, and I'm going to throw on Brett Favre for, uh, for uh, yeah, boy. I love Brett But I'll tell you something. You know, I've got a signed football from Johnny Unitas. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact. Is that it? 
Uh, says best wishes, uh, Ben. Best wishes, uh, John United. Fantastic. <laughs> it's uh, it is fantastic. The taint his legacy if he doesn't win. I say no because he, it's not like you know. Oh, he's not a great quarterback. He like smashed like every passing record. Exactly, and even in a, a you know a different passing era, um, I think that even if you don't win a Super Bowl, that, that I mean, winning the Super Bowl is obviously going to help his legacy, but I don't think losing is going to hurt it because he does have that one Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he's doing it with another team. He's had an unbelievable season. <laughs> And thus, I really don't think that that's going to be like, oh, now Peyton Manning's overrated, you know. I mean, we we talk about, you know, quarterbacks. There are all, plenty of all-time greats that didn't win a Super Bowl. Look, look at Dan Marino, which actually is fantastic. Uh, on the NFL Today, I believe during uh, the AFC Championship game or before it, Shannon Sharp was like, oh, I only count great quarterbacks if they have rings. With Dan Marino, a Hall of Fame quarterback, right next to him. And apparently – Who held the record that Drew Brees broke and yeah. Peyton Manning broke. Exactly. So, I mean, Shane Sharp backtracked. Dan Marino's like, I don't care. So, uh, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, Dan Marino's got awful on the NFL today, but that's a story for another another day. Well, that shows crap anyways, but. You said that's your boy Boomer on it. I do love Boomer size, but besides that, and I love JV. I always love JV. Yeah. James Brown is, is fantastic. But Dan Marino has never said anything of note. Shane Sharp just. Terrible diction. And dresses terribly. Yeah. And, I mean, Bill Cowher's okay. He's not great, but he, he's all right. there, though. He's just there. He's but, just there to pick the Steelers, pretty much. But the, the best thing about Bill Cowher is that CBS Sports Network's got a pregame show that's, like, four hours. Uh, it's called That Other Pregame Show, hosted by my boy Adam Shine. They have all the guys cycle in. And when Cowher's on that show, he's actually, like, fired up and great. But then he goes on the NFL day. It's just kind of, you know, he's a little mellow. But... Yeah. There was another insight before we had a commercial break. Our NFL correspondent, Cole Patterson on Snack Radio, joining us live from Radio Row. He's working with ESPN over the week. How is Radio Row? Uh, Radio Row is amazing. I'm up here um, with ESPN National and ESPN Local for New York. Um, it's actually it's been crazy. I mean, today today's probably the craziest day. Um, the past few days I've been here uh, since Monday, or since Sunday, but Radio Row started on Monday. Um, it was pretty slow. You know, there were a few people in and out, um, not big names or anything, just, you know, walking through. Uh, but today, everyone's here. It's like a, it's a mob in there. It's crazy. Were you, uh, were you at the Prudential Center yesterday for Media Day? Uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't get to go because um, one of the shows I'm helping produce uh, goes on during exactly that hour. Um, so I actually missed it, unfortunately. So how did you how did you come about getting this getting this job? Um, well, I've been you know trying to get my foot in the door working in the business for a while. Um, I uh, I saw one of my friends was doing it, and I thought I would put my name out there. Um, you know, I sent them some of my work, explained what I'm majoring in, what I'm doing, and what I want to do, and they just threw me a bone, I guess. Yeah, exactly. How how. Awesome is it for you personally that it's the Super Bowl this year is in New York? Oh, it's amazing. It's a great atmosphere here. You know, everyone everyone's complaining about the cold and things like that, but honestly, you know, everyone's just kind of going with it. Um, it snowed here this morning, so that was interesting to see people's reaction uh, coming in. Um, but, you know, it, it really is a great experience. There's a great venue for it. Uh, they've got Broadway all made up right now. They've got, you know, a toboggan run and 
Fox is up out there and, um, you know, a bunch of different radio stations and TV shows, and there's just celebrities everywhere, you know. It's a, it's a hub, really. Yeah, exactly. Do you think it's going to be severe weather on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, uh, we're actually doing uh, weather reports for some of the broadcasts I'm working on, and right now it's supposed to be 42 and sunny. Uh, well, I guess not sunny because the sun will upset by then, but um, it's not looking too bad. And um, we had uh, a guest on yesterday who played in both the old Giants Stadium and new MetLife Stadium, um, and he was saying that the wind is not going to be a factor because there's no tunnels like in the old stadium, so they don't have this, like, crazy crosswind that they used to have when they play, would play uh, late-season games there. Right. Who has been sort of the, the most famous person you've run into so far? I mean, you know, the the, the place is teeming with um, famous people. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously personalities. Uh, Rich Eisen was here this morning. Trey Wingo's been around. Um, I, uh, I met Susie Colbert, and I met um, – help me out with her name. She did the interview with Richard Sherman. Aaron Andrews, I met oh, her this morning. Aaron Andrews. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh you know, football, you got everything from Hall of Famers, uh, potential Hall of Famers. We met with um, Joe Klecko just today. We met with Terrell Thomas from the Giants. Eli Manning's been around. Um, I met with both the McCourty brothers. Matt Hasselback's been here. We got a good insight from Seattle on him. Um, MJD was just in. I spoke with Warren Sapp briefly. Um, you know, it's it's really it's a, it's a who's who right now. Dan Marino just walked by. Hey, Dan. Um not even kidding. <laughs> Got him to sign a ball for charity. We're also working with a charity uh, with the Jimmy B Foundation, which is a great charity for uh, for cancer research. So he signed on for that. It's like one of those special events of the, the Super Bowl. Like everyone comes together. Because I worked in the Hall of Fame this past summer, and you know, oh, what yeah. are your thoughts on Warren on, on uh, Warren Sapp? Oh, I love Warren Sapp. I uh, loved his game when he was playing. Um, I think that was one of the better Super Bowls, at least from a defensive standpoint. Um, you know, he's also he's also great in his new career as a media personality. Um, he's, he's really just talented at whatever he does. And, you know, from, from my too brief a time speaking with him, he really comes off as a genuinely good guy. It's funny, the guys we see on TV now, like the people we grew up watching, like Warren Sapp's like, dang, I remember he was doing the, uh, the Beyonce dance in the end zone. <laughs> well, Those in the were Hall the days, now. right? Yeah, can't believe it's been that long. Can't believe he's already gone through the term it takes. But um, uh, what are some of the main topics that you're hearing from all the shows? Uh, is it mostly weather? Is it Richard Sherman stuff? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Uh, most of the shows, they'll uh, tease on those subjects. They'll go, you know, I know everyone's talking about the weather, which, by the way, isn't supposed to be bad, and Richard Sherman, which, by the way, we don't really care about anymore. And then they'll try and move on to more... Um, football-related topics, analytical things. Um, a lot of people are talking about Peyton Manning's cadence, um, talking about how he uh, can trick defenses, and if Seattle's prepared for that, that's actually been a, a major topic I've heard, particularly when um, hosts are speaking to defensive players. Um, a lot of people, you know, Omaha has been scattered around here and there, but it's going the way of the Richard Sherman interview, I think. Um, I think just because generally he's been responding very well to it, He's been writing an article for Peter King's website um, that kind of explained his reaction and his view on it. And, you know, he's been handling interviews incredibly well, um, a very articulate a very articulate guy. 
uh, as I fumble over the word articulate. Um, yeah, I mean, basically it's just it's just number one offense versus number one defense and talking about um, what what you're expecting, what are the X factors, run game, secondary, et cetera. Well, speaking of run game, uh, surprised that Marshawn Lynch didn't speak a lot to the media yesterday. Um, I'm not particularly surprised. Um, you know, I've been speaking to a bunch of people around here who actually know him pretty well. And just based on his interview, he had that uh, two-minute spot with Deion Sanders, which was the longest he actually spent with any media member. Um, he uh, he comes off as a really shy guy, honestly. I don't I don't think it's you know a particular bias against media. Uh, not that every player doesn't necessarily have one, um, but I think I think he really just is uncomfortable on a stage like that. And um, you know, I, I think he made a good point. He does his talking on the field. It doesn't mean that you can shirk your responsibilities not addressing the media um, because it's, you know, it's part of your job. But I don't, I don't think anybody can really criticize him for, for being a little camera shy because, you know, he, he gets it done on the field. He really does. Exactly. And you mentioned uh, number one offense, number one defense. So who do you think is going to win it on Sunday? Well, it's it's interesting that you ask because um, the way I see it, have your views have your views been have been swayed over the past few days? Um, you you could say that, you know, because you know you're talking to a lot of people with a lot of knowledge in the business, and you know I like to think I know, you know, as much as everybody else, but there are a lot of people out there who know a lot more than me, um, and I've kind of uh, it's like a conglomerate of everyone else's ideas plus mine is what I've kind of landed on, and the way I see it is Payman is going to move the ball. Right, that's that's a given. He's going to score points. Seattle's defense is going to get a turnover. They're going to stop something. They're going to they're going to be Seattle's defense. So you can kind of imagine that they're not necessarily canceling out, but they sort of mitigate each other. Um, so then, what you really have to ask yourself is how is Seattle's offense going to handle the Broncos' defense and vice versa? And you know, you have Russell Wilson. He's young. He's talented. Um, you know, Marshawn Lynch is obviously, you know, beast mode and all that. Difficult to stop him most yards after catch in the NFL, uh, yards after contact in the NFL. Um, but I think people are really underestimating Denver's defense right now. Um, Terrence Knighton is playing out of his mind right now in the middle. Um, Dominic Rogers Camardi, uh, now that he's healthy, is going to be amazing on the outside. And I think he'll uh, handle the limited weapons of Seattle pretty well. Um, and just generally, I think that Denver's defense is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And I think uh, they'll be able to handle Seattle's defense. Peyton Manning will get it done on his side of the ball, and I think the Broncos are going to walk away with another Super Bowl. Yeah, you mentioned defense. Champ Bailey in his first Super Bowl. Sean Phillips with an off-season pickup. He's done great. Absolutely. Um, you know, they have, they have a lot of uh, talent, but not necessarily all homegrown talent. It's really um, – you know, they, they've brought in a lot of people from a lot of different places to create the product you see on the field. And um, it's a lot of people who earned it. You know, Sean Phillips has been amazing for for years now. Champ Bailey is obviously going to be, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you've just got genuinely a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And you can you can argue that Champ Bailey and Sean Phillips are aging, but you have a lot of speed on that defense with uh, Trevathan and Ian Acho and Dominic Rogers Cromarty. You know, it, it really it balances itself out. You've got veteran leadership and you've got athleticism, and it, it's, it's made for a good combination. 
in terms of uh, both teams with all these stories, you have you know John Fox who had missed a couple of games because of uh, right. health problems, and you have Peyton Manning. Everyone's talking about his legacy. And on the Seahawks, you have Percy Harvin. When he, if he plays, will he be as good as he is? Uh, Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. Is this, in, and especially in being in the New York, New Jersey area, is this sort of like an absolute treat for media as one of like the most hyped Super Bowls in recent memory? Yeah, I think I think it really is. Um, it's definitely a, a different experience than in than in other years. Um, I think Pete Carroll. Uh, pull some especially sensitive cords around here uh, because, you know, he was there for one year with the Jets, uh, really not a great year, but also he showed a lot of what he's showing now with Seattle. And um, for some reason, Leon Hess said, hey, maybe Rich Kotite would be a great rehire. Let him go. And uh, just, you know, a little fun fact, Robert Kraft, the only two coaches he's ever hired in his tenure are Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. And Pete Carroll was the man who coached in between the uh, the Belichick and Parcells era, so that's not exactly an easy act to follow or proceed. Um, so you know, there's a lot of ties to this area, to the East Coast, with Pete Carroll, and it's definitely um, definitely creates a storyline because he's he's pretty loose uh, with his attitude and with his tongue, I suppose. Um, and to your point about Percy Harvin, uh, he can definitely be an X factor in the game. Um, you saw him come back after his injury with very little practice time, you know, obviously a lot of rehab time, but he's not in football shape, and he made an immediate impact. He's just that dynamic of a player. He's he's fast. He's agile. He can make quick cuts. He can catch it short and make a run with it. He can beat you deep. He's he's an all-around talented player, and I know he's been out uh, for, I guess, you know, since, since the end of the season. But, um, you know, I think when he's on the field, he's going to make a difference. But, you know, that's, there's no guarantee he'll be on the field all game. All right, Cole, we'll let you out. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll be looking Absolutely. for you on, in, the, in the background of uh, Mike and Mike in the morning in front of me. <laughs> Sounds great. I'll be there. You. Yep, All you right, got thank it. You. Thanks again for joining us. Yep, no problem. We'll see you soon. That's Cole Patterson. He's our NFL correspondent here on Fanatic Radio. And so, finally, if we go to commercial break, time for our annual Super Bowl picks, sponsored by nobody. As last year, I said the uh, 49ers would win, and they lost. The year before, I said the Patriots would win, and they lost. So, I will go last. Graham Burns, start us off. Say, who is going to win and why? I am going to take the uh, Broncos here. I think uh, they win... Probably in a uh, close game in the 20s. I think uh, Russell Wilson gets the ball in the last few minutes of the game, but they fail to they fail to make anything of it. I think Peyton. I think it's mostly a back and forth game for most of the game, but I think Peyton starts to pull in fourth quarter, and the Seahawks just can't catch up. And I think he solidifies his legacy with a yes. second Super Bowl win. Mm. At 37 years old, Flo is Peyton Manning win the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with no. For you remember from the get-go, who did I have winning the Super Bowl? The Seahawks. You had them, yeah. I had them beating the Cleveland Browns. I didn't have them playing the Super Bowl. The Bungles in the playoffs. They make the playoffs. But I think that the Seahawks are going to come out with the defense. 
he was going to be kicking ass and taking names. The offense is going to come out well. They're going to slow down Peyton Manning just enough. They're not going to be able to slow down Marshawn Lynch. I think it's going to be a Seattle Super Bowl victory, the first ever. Actually, fun fact, this is the first time, I believe, two former divisional rivals have faced off in the Super Bowl, I think. Or they, they have played, these two teams have played each other more than any other Super Bowl match of the, of the teams that have played each other ever. Because they used to be in the AFC, uh, AFC West. Back in the day, mm-hmm. yeah, for the realignment. Yeah, all right. I they always they always say Broncos have a good offense. They have number one offense, number one defense, dominating yeah. dominating receivers. Damn right. And no Sean Marino. Do it. The saying. Do it. The saying. Defense wins championships. Damn it. And I'm picking Seattle ah, because, like Ben, like our great, like our great analysis, Ben Lawrence said that the Seahawks have a very good run game. I've yet to see the Broncos actually stop the run of a good running team. The only time they did that was the Chiefs with Jamal Charles, but you know he ended up being concussed at the end of the year and not even playing in the uh, the wild card game. They said defense wins championships. I think that it's tough going up against a good secondary. The Broncos never really played against a really good secondary. And Marshawn Lynch, him being, you know, quiet as ever. There's something about it. There's something about that guy that scares you. Yeah, exactly. The fact that Malcolm Barber has him on his Facebook with uh, no teeth. The ugliest man of football gets it done. Super Bowl MVP has to be him because they're probably going to give it to him and he's going to carry them to victory. But Lee Corso says, close than the experts think. Even though, even though the experts are saying the game will be close. So, like Madden 25, the game's going to go into overtime. Get four. real. See, I could probably win by four. Manny will get it. Manny, if Manny gets it on the last drive, though, they, I'm pretty sure they'll win. But Seattle, what the hell is that? Seattle's going to win. There's our two bowl picks. Adam Silver next on the show. I'm from Nack Radio. I'm It's Radio. Yeah. I have no decision-making capability on this program! That's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on... Love Talk Radio. i 
They're playing, we could go undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Saigon. What they want? Talking some intramural basketball as that yeah. starts next week. 
Ben Florence is actually an official yeah. When is your first game? Uh, Monday, I'm working uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, the 7.30 to 9.45 shift. To uh, paraphrase my good friend, Mr. Flo, right? I'm going to be blowing my whistle, baby. Whistle, baby. Just let go. I think that's the lyrics. Well, right, it's god-awful. Yeah, exactly. But uh, hopefully the Super Bowl halftime show, and then the two songs that we've just played are ironic because those are these songs. Dirt Hot Show Steppers will be in the mix. But headlining it is uh, Bruno Mars. Thoughts on that, Ben? It, you know, you seem very uh, upset about it. I mean, I'm Bruno. not a Bruno Mars guy. Aside from when he, he got his career start in the great Nicholas Cage movie, Honeymoon in Vegas, as like a five-year-old Elvis impersonator, which it is a great movie. Honeymoon in Vegas, fantastic. But I'm just, I'm not a Bruno Mars guy. I'm, I don't think he's very good. Uh, I, I don't think it, I don't think it, it gives everyone a lot of confidence. They like, they're like, all right, we need to attract an older crowd. Uh, we need to get Red Hot Chili Peppers, who are, they're still hanging around. So I'm not that excited for the halftime show. Um, so, um, yeah. Grab your favorite halftime show of all time. All time. Up with people. Up with people. What year did they perform? They performed like seven times before they brought in Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. You know, I was actually, I was at a friend's house, but I was playing on uh, my friend's computer instead of watching it, so I didn't actually see that live. Oh, I never saw it live either. I did see it live, and it was... As, I, a, as an eight-year-old child, it was it was hot. It was definitely weird. ESPN actually did an extremely long article about it the other day, about just like the aftermath of it. It was it was strange. It was weird. I yeah, apparently that's where uh, one of my that's that's where like the further FCC delay comes from, right? Yep, that's exactly what. Because it's from. of that. Yep. Thanks a lot, Justin. Of course, shout out to him. Uh, he won a Grammy, much like our good friends um, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. His Grammy's rocking a sweater he got from a thrift shop. Ooh. Hey! It's so funny, Mike. I try, you know. Also, on this on this day in 1990, the first McDonald's in the Soviet Union opened. Yeah! So, speaking of uh, the Soviet Union, or abroad, the uh, the NBA. Oh, I think you were... And, uh, and, uh, wait, what do you think I was going to do? They're going to do an Olympic talk. Oh, we'll do a little bit of talk later. The NBA hangs over the reins to a new commissioner. Adam Silver will yeah. take over, I guess, as of tomorrow. Today's Stern's last day. Uh, yes. Sad to see Stern go. The angel of Stern, as our good friend Tony Kornheiser says. Uh, it's definitely going to be weird seeing because uh, Stern, I mean, if you ever read Bill Simmons' book of basketball, which it is a fantastic read if you're a fan of the NBA, but it's comical how incompetent the commissioners really were before David Stern. David Stern is everything you think about him. He is, you know, he's ruthless. He's a brilliant man. He gets what he wants. Uh, doesn't care anybody who's got any problems with it. He's a little bit of a scumbag, but he's a New York guy. He tends to, yeah, as a draft, he's always that. Yeah, and that's, and that's the best part. Like you, and that and that was the thing. Like he knows how to sell like, at the draft. Like when the Cavaliers took Anthony Bennett. Uh, he was like, you know, give, give, give me a little more, because he knew that everyone was going to be shocked. But it's going to be weird seeing an NBA without David Stern. I mean, it, it appears Adam Silver would be a lot, a lot more open of a league. But the, the, how David Stern, in the 30 years he's been running it, really the job he has done has been very remarkable. Even with all the negatives that come with him, he really has done a tremendous job in growing the sport 
internationally. Yeah, essentially globalized the game of basketball further than what right. it was back in the 70s. Back when they were, st- they were still taped to playing playoff games yeah. into the 80s. Yeah, it was Magic Johnson's uh, 1980s finals performance was still on tape delay. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to take delay as much as the next guy. I mean, come on. So what is Adam, Adam Silver, Graham, where does Adam Silver first move, or what, what should it be? If Graham Burns is commissioner of the NBA, what would be the first thing you'd do? I mean, I've never been a huge fan of the NBA. I find the product rather boring. Uh, I've always found college basketball a lot more exciting. But I under, I've, I've seen what Stern has done in terms of marketing the product that is the NBA, and he's definitely done an excellent job. Yeah, apparently, according to Sports Business Journal, the NBA is the number one league in the country in terms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, the whole nine yards. Well, I feel like the players are very available. They just feel, I don't know, they feel like, I feel like through social media they've connected really well, and the NBA's been really good with their social media policy. They haven't been shutting guys down. I just feel like the players are, since you're so close to the court in the NBA, I just feel like uh, fans feel like they're more in the action than they do, say, in the NFL. Uh, they feel like they can relate more. It's just, I don't know. They've marketed the product really well. Yeah. Exactly. So Adam Silver starts tomorrow. What's your take on Adam Silver, Mike? Well, my take, I think, I mean, he's got a lot of, a lot of work cut out for him. Absolutely. He, you know, David, as much as a lot of people hate David Stern, he essentially made the NBA what it is today. We also, it also helps the fact that during his legacy, some of the greatest moments in basketball history occurred. Showtime Lakers, Michael Jordan, the era of the Bulls, Phil, Jack- Phil-, Phil Jackson era, and then you had great coaches as well, Jerry Sloan, my boy Don Nelson, the big three of the Miami Heat, the, de- the decision. So, the only thing I think Adam Silver should do, and you know I'd say this, is make the college players stay four years. He can't. He has no authority to do that. The only thing I wish them. Well, he can try. The only thing I wish them in the NCAA would say is at least two years. Yeah. The one and done is, is a joke. The last Either two years or you can come out right after high school. Because you go to school for one year. Why bother? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we all know the courses that you can take. You can take, uh, you know, you can take basket weaving. And yeah, they're taking basket weaving. There you go. Exactly. Like, I mean, you couldn't do that here, though. Let's take stress. You can't take stress. Great class. Great class. Exactly. Speaking of college basketball, though, let's give a quick shout-out to the AU men's basketball team. Okay. How are they doing, Mike? They're doing fantastic. Currently undefeated in Patriot League play. I love how they're, they're overall. They're not looking, I love how the entire school raises the overall record. We're like 13-7, and seven, pretty mediocre, but undefeated in conference play. Yes. First time ever in program history, we open the second half of conference play tomorrow, Saturday. Still better. 1 p.m., first 1,000 fans get free sunglasses. Ooh. But exciting, an unanticipated uh, new sort of, like we said last week, man, renaissance in, yeah. in, men's, in the men's basketball program. Mike Brennan has been the hot topic. I do want to say one sort of down comment about it is the, uh, the Feinstein column. And when she compares my boy Pee Wee, Darius Pee Wee Gardner, Sidney Lowe, yeah, 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 and Jim Valvano. Like, Sidney Lowe is to my uh, is to Jim Valvano what Darius Gardner. No, no, I'm mixing it up. Darius Gardner is to my brother. Sidney Lowe is to Valvano. Hey, you can't do that. What are you doing? He was on an ACC team that won the national championship. Yeah. I mean, AU's good, but they're not national champions. Because Billy Lenardi. Obviously. The other day when we looked at bracketology by uh, Billy's own. Lenardi. Yeah, we're up to a 14. Really? I've seen I've seen one where we're up to a 14 seed. I'd have to look that up, but 
Um, before I begin, I'd like to remind everyone you can listen to the podcast on iTunes. That great video featured Cole Patterson, both for Media Day, uh, Marshawn Lynch, all about that action, boss. Mm. Yeah, and, and well, last time I saw it, we were 15. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen 16. I've seen a, a bunch of 15s, but somebody, according to somebody, uh, apparently we were up to a 14, but I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up again. I could be wrong. This is the key stretch, though, for fans wondering, because it's easy to go in to see the first half of conference play. The tough thing is now you are the hunted. You are the most feared team in the league, and everyone wants to beat you. Have a target on your back. And yes, Joe Lenardi has a the four team playing in the San uh, San Antonio region against San Diego State. Fan, they are they're, 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 they've been really good this year. They're, no, their defense is really good this year, but they struggle to score. Yeah, but that, that, I mean, that might benefit us because I don't know. Uh, we can score. We can okay. score. We, we can, can score. score. Yeah. We got a four that can dish out. We jack up threes like. It's and you know, I want to give a little credit. You know, Jesse Reed and on Wednesday night, the big one against David, 15 points, I believe, in the first three minutes. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. awesome. Like, it's one of those things we always talk about, you know, one of the things about Jeff Jones there, like, you know, Gadley Cam, Marco, really didn't play all that much. At least early on, but now Jesse Reed is starting, and now he's just blossoming as a player. He's got a good shot, just confidence. Good. I think Brennan James, this team, just the utmost. I think I really think he lets the guys play. Looks like he's a. It's a cliche we all know about it, but he lets the guys do what he can do, and I think he's looked at this team, look at what he has, and which I don't want to know why coach more coaches don't do this, but he's built his system around the players rather than trying to fit this, the players to the system. Yeah, because it's basically, it's, it's Brennan took the concept of what he learned at Georgetown and Princeton, mm-hmm. the backdoor cuts, mm-hmm. the five-core man oh, offense. Man, all that exactly. Action. But then he sort of infused what he learned from uh, our good friend Pete Carell. Yes. In the, uh, the NBA, basically the Sacramento Kings with a Georgetown-Princeton yep. swagger. Exactly. That's, that's ridiculous. And it's fun to watch. Yeah. And it, that's the thing. Like, we're getting crowds out at AU, like, we're getting crowds like I haven't seen before. A, you know, a junior. Yeah, it's, not, it's definitely not boring basketball. Even though, like, uh, sometimes you get uh, teams that win ugly. The yeah. teams that not win ugly, shooting seventy percent from the floor and winning against you. And, and a, 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 a great, a great so, definition. A great definition of that way he said, Graham was uh, Wednesday night against Navy. Mm. Already up by twenty. So we come down. Jesse Reed hits a three. I believe it's like seventh of the game. Yeah. Hits a, hits a three. We get a steal. Fast break. Freshman Jalen Ray pulls up from about 12, 15 feet. Banks in a jumper. That was so That was so cool. On one-on-one. Brennan, Brennan was pissed about that. But then on the very next inbound, Gardner steals it. Yeah. Takes the guy out and makes a layup. So right there, we have a span of seven points in like a minute. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, if you can create baskets and take away possessions from the other guy, you know, that's always a good thing. And we always love a little uh, always a little bank job. Exactly. And also, this team could be very dangerous if they make the tournament. If they can from three, we've seen that. Exactly. exactly. And that's the thing, you know, and one thing we talked about earlier, I said, what what are we going to see out of this team next year? Once everyone's used to Mike Brennan, you get another year with Pee Wee. Um, really, the only guy here is Robolicki. Yeah. So, I literally, think I think I think Davis. potentially not what could be even better, but. I mean, you know, I think everyone's – you can't not love what's happening with the AU. It's high-octane hoops at its finest. It's fantastic. The question is, though, 
both you guys, how far will this go? Will they run the tables and go undefeated in conference play? No way. Yeah, I, I almost hope they don't go undefeated. I don't. I, yeah, I, we were discuss, Ben and I were discussing this the other day. This team sort of has to lose to just see what it's like. Yeah. Exactly. Because we're winning a lot of games solidly. We haven't had a lot of like you know games grinded out the middle. Army kind of was like that. Lehigh. We had University of Maryland, Baltimore County is the only game I can remember where it was like. We went to, like, double overtime with them. Exactly. And that's back when everybody's like, all right, there's no way this team's going to have any sort of success. Yeah. They'll be fun, but... but it, I mean, they've been... Exactly. So, essentially, this game could be a turning point in their season. So, you're facing our pseudo-rival Holy Cross. It's beginning the second half of Patriot League play. Yeah. Because then we have, I think, Loyola and then Lehigh at home. So, if we get to Lehigh at home and win that, our next games are the Lafayettes, the Colgates eventually going on the road and taking on Boston and Army. Exactly. I, I think that's how we perform in those exactly. games to prepare ourselves later in conference season. Uh-huh. Shout out to Mike Brennan. Yes. That dude, because I, I forgot who it was, who I was with. Oh, it was this uh, Matt Eldridge, a good friend of Tony Roblicki's. Yeah. The guy with the beard always sits behind him. That's right. Friends of S, friend of uh, Brandon Esposito, like all panelists here on FR. He was saying, he was saying, the reason why it works is, and one of my Brandon's such a good coach is, he has to be a little kind of insane. Exactly, he has to be a I little, cra- little crazy He's to be a good coach. He is the man. You and the best thing about him, you see, you talk to him like outside of practice. Like, you know, if uh, anything else, he's, he's a kind of quiet guy. He, he doesn't love the media stuff, as you can attest to. Hates it. But <laughs> even when he's on the court, he's a, he's, he's a little nuts. He's animated. He's, he's got he's a little that uh, that Bayonne fire, if you will, that North Jersey, you know, on the waterfront, you know, a little bit of that. He's a little crazy. And it works, and the players love it. Exactly. The players love it. They work, play hard for him, and it's, it's working. He's done... He deserves all the plaudits that he can get right now. Hopefully we can keep it up. Hopefully we will. They play tomorrow at 1. If you're not there, you can catch it always on Patriot League Network. Yes. Powered by Campus Insiders. Yes. We love Campus Insiders. They have college players. T.J. Harrison, a former North Carolina Targill, <laughs> has scored both 40 and 45 points respectively with his newfound home with the Texas Legends behind head coach, behind head coach Eduardo Nahara. Oh, uh, GM Bonnie yeah. Nelson yeah. And, a, and, a, and, a front, and a front office staff that features Nancy Weaverman and Spud Webb. Oh, my God. So I had to give you a shout-out <laughs> to that guy. Also, the all-star teams were announced. Uh, Aldridge, James Harden, Dwight Howard, Damian Lillard, Dirk Nowitzki. They say Chris Paul made the all-star game. I doubt he's going to play. He's still hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Parker makes the all-star. Uh, ben was showing us a great clip of him airballing, not even airballing, just letting go of the uh, ball. Yeah, I, I just want to know what that was. I was just, I, I, uh, Mike Green, actually, because we watched that video, Mike Green makes the point maybe, because it looks like either he slipped out of his hands or he, like, stops the motion, so maybe the ref told him. Uh, they say the ref might have told him to not shoot the ball, and he was halfway through shooting motion so already. It's bizarre. Yeah. Some of our key reserves in the Eastern Conference, Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan, Roy Hibbert, Joe Johnson. Uh, DC's on John Wall. And the Wizards are still in playoff contention. Woo. Yep. Give him a shout-out to that. Another big uh, hot topic that Ben is excited to discuss, NASCAR. Yes. Has made huge 
overhauled everything, adjusting the uh, the Gen 6 car, then they changed qualifying, and now they've probably made the single-handedly the biggest change in the sport's, like, 58-year history. Well, I don't know about that. At least the biggest change to the chase. I think the chase was the biggest change. Well, now they just changed it again. They announced 16 teams. I mean, can you explain this? Because I'm still fuzzy with this. 16 drivers. So it's going to be 16 drivers that make the chase. It's the points leader at the end of the, 20, the first 26 races, and then the, fifth, the 15 drivers or the next 15 drivers that won races. And they have to be within the top 30 in points. Whereas it's the, the, net, it's the 15 drivers at one race, and if it's not the top 15 drivers, it's the guy's highest in points after they've taken all the guys that have won. And what and what they did is that they they're moving to an elimination style format for the chase. There's four different rounds. The first round is the challenge. They have names for these rounds. It's just kind of ridiculous. Ugh. The first round is the challenger round. It's three races, sixteen drivers. The sixteen drivers will vie for the twelve spots in the contender round. Challenger round drivers who win a race in this round automatically advance. The rest of the top 12 will be set by points, and then all of their points will be reset to 3,000 for the contender round. The next uh, three races, which that will be going from 12 to 8, and if you win a race, you automatically move on. So they go by every three. Exactly. So every three races. races. Chicago, New Hampshire, and Dover? Yeah. Or Canada. And that's that's the challenger round. The contender round, Canada, Charlotte, and Talladega. So Talladega that's, that's be, a big one. That'll be wild. That's a Talladega is always a mess. Yeah, and then you have and they, they, moved, they moved uh the top eight. Anybody who wins in the rest of the top eight will be uh move into the eliminator round, which is the the next three races, Martinsville, Texas, Phoenix. They'll vie for the four spots available in that championship. Any drivers who win the round move on a, move to the finale, and then the rest are set by points. All, all the while, their points are being reset to uh, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, which is round. And then the final race, Sprint Cup Championship, uh, one race for four drivers winning it. The high, all their points are equalized. And the highest finisher among the remaining four eligible drivers will win the Sprint Cup Series title. So what they're essentially doing it's is making the final four for one race. Pretty much, yes. I think it's a bad thing. And the best thing about it, and I talked about it, is that it has this chance in the format last year. It definitely, the system rewards winning. But the guy who would have won the chase, Dale Earnhardt Jr., did not win during the chase. Mm. But he would have won. He would have won the title. He would have won the title. Via that system. Yep. How is that possible if he didn't win? Because he kept on, he was, he had he had a really good chase save for Chicago blowing his engine. So he had a very strong, remember, he's getting to the top 12 after the first three, then the top eight, the top four. So with the point system, somebody calculated, some guy from NASCARnomics.com, which exists, Dale and Arginia would have been the Spring Cup champion. Was he, he, well, in the last race, it's the highest finisher of the four. Yeah, he finished, I think he finished second at Homestead. That's right. Yeah, he finished, finished second to uh, Denny Hamlin. So this, I love how this is making, this is setting up very, this is setting up one of two things. 
in my in my opinion. One, they're they're basically setting it up so Junior can win a championship. I don't agree with that. Because, well, I mean, he has tough odds that he's going to have a season like he had last year. Yeah, because he had a very good season. He was very consistent, and he did win. And this is also he, – he basically did last year what the old-school NASCAR championship was, consistency does wonders. Yeah, but if you look at – And now it's saying – You wouldn't have won if there wasn't a chance. You know, you're talking about old-school. Right. And, and now it was the ultimate. And the second thing it does is it is going to make things so difficult on Jimmy Johnson's part. But if he wins, it's going to make his seventh championship so glorious. Yeah. It's going to it's either going to set him up for total failure, or, you know, immortality. Exactly. We we talked we we talked about it. The chase was something that really needed. They've they've done they needed a bunch of different like little tweaks. They changed the point system. Although I really would be interesting what if they had this old this point system. With a non-change one. I feel like, because you see what's happened in Nationwide and Trucks, you know, those really weren't that competitive. Well, they were trying to have a two-horse race anyway. So, but I like the format. I don't love the idea of it all coming down to the final race. Because as we talk about, that's just not how NASCAR really is. Or racing in general is over a long season. Because a lot of people back in the day clinched it, you know, with three races. Exactly. And that's why they brought in the chase. Because they, and because everyone remember everyone, not everyone, remembers that famous race at Atlanta when Alan Cole. Yeah, 92. There are a bunch of classic title ones. But there are also a bunch of years where Dale Earnhardt would win by like 400 points. So I, I like the elimination. I, I like them stressing wins because I think that, that – because remember the old points racing back in the day. And then they added the bonus points for the wins, and they got to go out all for the wins, but they would still play, play it safe. I like it, but I just am not, I'm not sold as to how this going down to one race works. Because one thing they do is they've, they've officially made it like an actual playoff system. One thing CEO Brian France always stressed was we want to make it like the NBA's, the NFL's, the MLB's. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old chase didn't do that. It was a playoff, but it essentially had, you know, every team in. It wouldn't. It, speaking of the NFL players, it'd be like if the New England Patriots are competing for the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. which they can't because they lost to Denver. Now this sets up where you have to win to advance, survive in advance, essentially. Well, I don't like it how... With one thing that's different between NASCAR and the rest of the sports is the finals in the respective sports are based on the teams. Yeah. In NASCAR, it stays Homestead regardless. Yeah, and what's also interesting about NASCAR, it, it's really the only thing where you have this playoff format, but everyone else is still in it. You have all the guys that didn't make the chase still driving. So that's what always made it weird, and that's what, what, what one of the common criticisms of, like, the mascot of, like, TV coverage of the chase. Everyone forgets about those guys unless they win. And even then, if they win, everyone's looking at the chase standings. Much like this year. Hamlin won. Oh, but Jimmy Johnson won a sixth title. Exactly. A lot, and the thing is, you bring up Jimmy Johnson, a lot of people are like, oh, this is, this is a Jimmy Johnson role aimed to mix up. Because he really has mastered the chase system. And you got to give all the kudos. You win the system you're in. Yep. If you have a problem with the system, you know, hate, hate the uh, – well, you know what they say, hate the player, don't hate the game. Actually, no, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's basically what happens here. Jimmy Johnson, uh, we've talked about this. Uh, he wouldn't have won all those titles if he just went with an old system. Of course, everything would have been different. But 
you know, so, but it's, it, it definitely seems like that. Jimmy Johnson himself said, it, it seems like they may be doing these, like, joking, but I don't think I'm the sole reason they did it, and I'd agree with that. Because uh, I think that they really saw the chase format as something that needed change. We talked about this on Sports Zone with Silas, the great Silas Hill, across the pond now, and thus that there was something that needed to be done. But So I, li- I like it, but I just don't love it coming down to that one race. But I think all in all, I do like it on the whole, but that one race I'm not, I'm not certain about. Do you have Grammy thoughts on this? NASCAR? Yeah. In general. It starts soon in a few weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts on last Sunday in December. I'm okay. sorry. We'll go something out. We'll go Alley. Coach K and Jim Beheim finally meet Syracuse and Duke. Oh. I'm excited for that. Oh, I'm gonna be it's the first time the first time they met in Thomas Play. I have no idea. It's, know, it's yeah. been sixteen years since Duke and Syracuse have played each other. But I'm camping out, uh, you know, tomorrow game day starts at 10 a.m., games at 6.30. So, oh, you'll be there. Oh, no, I will not be there. I wish I was. Uh, it's in Syracuse. Yeah. They're going to embarrass you and blow them out of the water. So. It will be interesting because, uh, well, they ran the uh, ad campaign for game day today on ESPN, I saw. And uh, one of the – they show, like, you know, like, they show the obligatory highlights of each team. It says undefeated Syracuse, and that goes to Duke. It says Jabari Parker, Duke. Oh, jeez. And you're like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's well, like, they have three losses, don't they? Yeah, they lost, no, it's lost four games, two in conference play to Clemson, Notre Dame. They've also lost, like, Kansas and Kentucky, some other. I, think I believe they didn't lose to Kentucky. They lost Kentucky early. But they were on they New Coast. They were on New Arizona. Arizona. Arizona and Kansas. The Garden, yeah. Yeah. So they were neutral courts, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I feel like Duke's entire team doesn't always show up. Yeah. Either like Rodney Hood uh, or Parker shows up or Suleiman shows up. So it's really a crapshoot with them. And I just feel like Syracuse's consistency will probably be too much for them. But we'll see. So, yeah, the one thing, though, with Syracuse I've noticed this year, they, 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 they feed a lot of other teams' turnovers. So we've mm-hmm. seen a couple of games where if you slow the game down, like we saw in the Miami game. Yep. Miami's not that good this year, but they hung around Syracuse, got back because they were taking care of the basketball. And that's really going to be the bug. I mean, I love the Syracuse team. I think it's a great Syracuse team. C.J. Uh, Fair, Ennis, all those guys. He's a good point guard. Exactly. He's a very good point guard. So, but this Syracuse team is very good, but it's one thing to watch that you can beat them by taking care of that. You can. Of course, it's always easier said than done, but that's how you can do it. But, you know, Duke, a lot of talent on that team. Nobody's going to deny that. But it, it's been a little bit of consistently, you know, here and there. You know, sometimes I hear them under knowledge. Yeah. And it, it really it comes down to their defense because they struggle on defense early in the uh, ACC schedule, which is a big reason for a few of their losses against, like, uh, far uh, inferior teams like Notre Dame and Clemson. Uh, but I watched their game against Florida State last weekend. Even though Florida State's not exactly the cream of the crop, they're, they're a decent team. And Duke's mm-hmm. defense definitely looked to be a little bit better. So I'm sure the atmosphere will definitely have tensions running high. So we'll see how this goes. Because these guys are very unfamiliar with each other. So you don't get a lot of the same uh, bad blood between teams. But we'll see how this one works out. Because uh, this could be the start of... Hopefully, 
something akin to Syracuse Georgetown. Maybe not quite that. Either of a notable, Syracuse is among three undefeated teams, featuring number one, Arizona, and currently number four, Wichita State. How about that? The reigning national semifinalists are still unbeaten. And the head coach looks like Mike Gambardella, <laughs> as, we pointed out, as we pointed out last year. Uh, headlines before we head the show, end the show. Uh, announced on Twitter, Jaguars owner Shaq Khan says the team will draft a quarterback. Sorry, we love Jim. Even after they drafted Blaine Gabbert. He just was Blaine Gabbert like three years ago. He's been awful. He's been really awful. Yeah, he's been pretty bad. The uh, University of Texas reports record revenues and expenses for the last year. Uh, Could AU ever reach those numbers of 165.7 no. million? No, just don't even finish the question. Million in operating revenue, and now with a new, now with a new head coach, crazy things that happen. Charlie Strong, I'm a big fan of it, but a lot of people, like uh, we may have talked about this before, but a lot of people are like, you know, I like Charlie Strong; he's a good coach, but could they have done better than him? And the ridiculous thing about it is that who do you want? Saban's not coming. Jimbo Fisher should probably not come. I, I doubt Malzahn would have left. And they're looking at Jim Mora. It's a really good stuff at UCLA. But, and Charlie Strong is a known guy. It's not like they picked somebody out. Like when Tennessee hired Derek Dooley. Yeah, it was like everyone, he was really known for a couple of mediocre years of Louisiana Tech and being the son of Vince Dooley. So, great hire. Just getting that off my chest. Also, in baseball yeah. news, both Michael Young and Lance Berkman, former and current Texas Rangers, are going to retire. As of that, for the Rangers lost to the World Series, they've just gone downhill, and they continue to plummet. And right down the road, Josh uh, Joshua Smith is done for the year because of academics at Georgetown. I, saw, I watched them play Kansas, and that guy, he looks like one of those guys. It's funny, my... my High school friend David Allen is a walk-on at Georgetown. Uh, no, he's not. Compared him as, you know when you go out and play pickup basketball when you were little? Yes. And he's that one kid that's, that's not athletic, but he's just big. Yep. He, is, he was that guy. I'm watching his stuff on the floor against KU. And, of course, they ended up getting drilled that game. But, it's like, that guy is, is the equivalent. Any other shout-outs, Flo? Um, Do you want to contribute to a thumbs-up, thumbs-down segment that we have to take from Sports Zone because it didn't air last Sunday? Uh, no. Any shout-outs? Um, I'll think about What was good and bad in this world? Thumbs-up to Marshawn Lynch for uh, putting the focus on the game instead of the media. Yeah. I'm going to give a thumbs-up to Skittles. Returning to NASCAR. Yes. Returning to NASCAR. And endorsing Marshawn Lynch. We love Skittles. It's one of the most underrated candies. It is a great candy. It is the only candy. You can't eat too much of those. Sorry to cut you off. But they, uh, one day, because they only had uh, Eagle Fest was opening up back again, P.O.D. Like, I wanted to get Skittles. I think it was after one of the games. But the only thing they had was a king size. So a share size. They ate the whole thing. I'm like, why did I do this? The only downside is if you hold them in their hands. Exactly. Yeah, in your hand. Yeah. In their yeah. hand. Another thumbs Apparently. up. Another thumbs up. The Starbucks is open on our campus. No, Starbucks sucks. Well, Flo hates Starbucks. He hates corporations. Much like Kanye West. not hate corporations. <laughs> Much like Kanye West. <laughs> another. <laughs> a thumbs down to Jaron Berman. Because. I saw him walking. I saw the uh, great Berman of the Post walking, uh, walking to the studio, and 
he said, he's going, I oh, asked him where, we asked him where I was going, I said I'm going home, and he said, me too. I thought he meant his home here in D.C. Oh, he's going, he's going to New York, and I was like, oh, you're going to go see the Super Bowl, and he goes, no, tickets are too expensive, but I am going to see the Heat and the Knicks. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'll go. Thumbs out for him, just sort of, just not so wildly just going to see the world champion, Canelo, who dropped 62 the other night. The last week. No sucks. I'm sorry. He scored 62, though. First, I don't know. The first time since 2009, someone scored 60. Really? And the last person is the Black Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant. Exactly. Nobody's surprised there. Yeah, exactly. He won't come back. Nope. Rest in peace. Also, Satsum Nuggets on the All Star game. Which, actually, no, it's a good thing. That's a loaded field. Like, a lot of people, one of the bigger snubs of that was uh, Anthony Davis, who's been. He's made the lead yeah. this year. Yeah. He's been Boston. But, but as you say, or as actually I said, the West uh, front court field is very deep. So, you want Chris Ball. Ball. What? You want Chris Ball. I'm talking, I said the front court. Oh, that's Howard. Yeah, well, Howard's not starting. Really? Who's starting center? Uh, well, don't forget, they don't do a center position anymore. They just do like forwards. Yeah. That's why, technically, I think LeBron's the starting five. Yeah. Well, they snubbed uh, Roy Hibbert in the Which was crap. Uh, I mean, ultimately, instead they're starting like LeBron and Paul George and another center. I don't even know. Uh, uh, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony. Paul George, another guy. And then Wade and then Irving. Uh, I think Kyrie Irving's their starting point. Could, um, could be. Ray Felton. The only downside is the ugly, disgusting uniforms. Oh, God. And on that note, than you. that'll do it from Studio the Snack Radio. Check us out next Friday at yeah. we give Jay Leno the much-deserved send-off as he ends his, well, six. The six is his last show. Is really? Yep, February 6th, Jay Leno's last show. The Olympics start next week. Woo. We make our final pick, we make our final pick yeah. for the uh, Bob, Snack Radio Bobsled team. Yeah! Uh, but for Ben Flores, Graham Burns, I'm Mike Garner saying so long. We'll see you next week.